Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. It is so great. It is so great to be here to celebrate with you in this amazing, amazing opportunity to see three years come to fruition. You know, I know churches that are planted that didn't last three months. And so don't shake a stick at or look down upon three years. It took three years of tears, three years of striving effort. It took three years of brokenness being mended and some being broken again and being put back together again. It took three years of faithful worship and faithful service and prayers. And by God's grace, his mercy, and his love, we are able to worship here today. And I'm so honored to be able to be here to do that with you. It was crazy hearing Philip saying I was his favorite preacher. That's my, he's my favorite preacher, you know what I'm saying? I, I wanted to come just to worship. I wanted to show up and just nobody know, you know, sitting in the back with glasses and a hoodie on and hope nobody recognized me. But it is so great that you've allowed me to come worship with you today. It really means a lot. So I don't take it lightly or for granted. Today, in his word... I want us to get into the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. Now, I want to give you something interesting. There are six chapters to Ephesians, okay? And you could break them up by chapter, but I like to break it up into two primary sections just to kind of get us into a headspace of what I want to share with you today. The two primary sections are the first half and the second half. The first three chapters are primarily focused on who you are in Christ. It's breaking down and laying out what you have become as a believer and to assure you in who you are. So finding identity, finding security in the renewal, the remaking, the creation that you have become in Christ Jesus. It actually ends... Chapter 3 in verse 20 with a doxology that gets quoted very often. I'll read that in just a moment. But then chapter 4 starts off through verse 6 with a beautiful display of what we are to do. Let me overlay a parallel for you with Radiant Church. In these three years, there's been some identity finding. There's been some understanding of who you are and allowing and embracing those and and creating this beautiful mix of people and cultures and interests and preferences, but most of all, being brought together in Christ. And understanding that who you are, being established three years in, your identity is starting to become. People in the community are beginning to recognize this is who Radiant is. There are other churches, other pastors around our state and in the nation, too, that recognize, oh, we know the pastor, so by knowing the pastor, we know the people. And so in that, now these three years, your identity is being formed even more. Now, as you begin year four, I believe that's like beginning in chapter four of Ephesians. Now we know who we are. Now we need to start solidifying what we do. Because if you don't know who you are, then how are you going to know what to do? Oh, y'all not with me yet, huh? If I am actually a firefighter, but I find myself sitting somewhere trying to do surgery, I'm not going to do it well, am I? 
I don't recommend firefighters doing surgery. I don't recommend surgeons going to fight fires. You with me? Identity is important. And as believers, as part of Radiant Church, followers of Christ who are here together in worship, you have an important role. If you look with me at the text, I'm going to start with chapter 3, verse 20, and then I'm going to move into chapter 4, verse 1, and read through verse 6. Chapter 3, verse 20 closes this way. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to his power that works in, notice here the plural, in us. To him be glory in the church. Y'all see what's happening right here? He's given the collective identity. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to how many generations? Oh, I love the look I have right here. I'm seeing newborn and I'm seeing longborn. You feel what I'm saying? (laughs) And I love it. That's how it's supposed to be. To all generations, how long? Forever. And, you know, when you ask somebody how long you've been doing something, and they just say, ever, (laughs) that's a long time. (laughs) How long have you been doing this, ever? And Paul right here tells us, to all generations, forever and ever, amen. I want to get into the text I want to focus on today here at Radiant Church. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Here's the shift. Stay with me. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. I want to preach this morning on the message, Walk Worthy. Walk worthy. I'm going to preach this morning on the message, walk worthy. This, this concept of walking worthy isn't uh, stuck only in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He actually touches it a little bit here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, in verse 10, he actually says this in this way. He says, you are witnesses, and God also how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know, we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would, what? Walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. But it's not just a two-piece. He has a three-piece dinner right here for you. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 9. 
For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may, y'all with me? That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I want you to see even in this text when he mentions walking worthy, there's two major themes here. It's knowing and doing. There's knowing and there's doing. It's amazing to me uh, how many times, well, let's back up. You remember the temptation of Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 3 and 4, you know, when he gets led into the wilderness and the devil tries to tempt him to turn a stone into bread after he's been fasting 40 days and 40 nights? The devil gives him his temptation and then Jesus responds this way after every temptation. First, it is written. It is written. It's impossible to know it is written if you haven't read it. So you have a responsibility as a follower of Jesus to know what is written. So you can declare when the enemy shows up, it is. So you have a responsibility as a believer to know. But it doesn't stop with knowledge because guess what? There are information hoarders, right, who get prideful about what they know. What you know is irrelevant if you do nothing with it. Again, you could have a doctorate degree in something and never walk it out. Because if you don't do with what you know about, then you become stagnant and a waste of space. And so your role as a follower of Jesus, a part of this body of believers, under the lordship of Jesus Christ and his under-shepherd, Philip Pinckney, and those who lead with him, your role is to know something, but not just know it, but to walk, and not just walk, walk. Okay, y'all with me now. See, now, y'all talking to me. See, if y'all don't talk, I'm going to go longer. See, y'all want to get out fast to get to that. You want to get to that family eating time y'all so excited about. Y'all better stay with me for a second. I get excited. Ask my wife. I get excited. It will be going here for some weeks. Here's something else that bothers me at times is that people will come to faith in Christ, they'll make a decision and think that that's their life declared. Don't be fooled now. I'm not saying you can lose your salvation. What I'm saying is that's a point in time. The change has happened. You're new in him. You now begin the journey of following Jesus. Yes, remember the date you got dipped and flipped. That's awesome. But now that you are renewed and fresh in him, now you have something to learn new and do differently. Because if you've been doing this, okay, let me ask this question. Because if you've been doing the same old thing since you got here and it hadn't gotten any better, no one else was doing it with you, then something needs to be addressed. For instance, if you never do something with what God's given you, then you really have wasted what he's given you to be and to do. And so your role is to invest and to be a part of. 
just imagine, if you will, this is a question for you. I can't answer it. I'm not going to ask Philip or Jake or Frost or Marcus to call anybody out. But what if everyone in the church tithed like you? Oh, it's real quiet now. I'm sorry. <laughs> what if everyone in the church served like you served? What if everyone in the church committed and was faithful to just show up like you show up? What if everyone in the church shared the gospel like you shared the gospel? What would Radiant look like when we celebrate year 30? Y'all got real quiet real fast. I just told you, you talk to me, I'll go faster. And so walking worthy is more than just walking out the doors to your car. Hoping that you walked in and got a good feeling and walked out doing the same old thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to listen to Tupac in the car on the ride home. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is if you get in your car and you forgot what you heard and nothing in your life changed because the word of God was preached over you, then maybe you did something different and not worthy. Maybe you didn't appreciate the fact that God's word was rightly divided before you to serve you. That text in its context was Paul declaring an idiom to the people to say rightly dividing meant taking a loaf of bread and sharing it to all the children as each one needed. And so I know that you're getting the word and being fed while you're here. The question is, how are you walking it out once you eat? Because God's not starving radiant. You're being fed. You're being led. You're being trained and taught. The question is, how are you walking? Now, I don't want you to be discouraged, okay? That's not what I'm here for today. As a matter of fact, you can be guaranteed that disappointment's going to come. Disappointment happens. Discouragement is a choice. No, oh, y'all ain't with me yet still. <laughs> Discouragement is a choice. If courage is the response you have in spite of fear, then discouragement is also a choice. So be encouraged that I drove a long way to be here to worship with y'all today. <laughs> because I love you, and for some of you, I just met you. I love you because I pray for you. I pray for your heart, your mind, for your protection. I pray for your leadership. I pray that as you hear the word of God, it be imparted into your heart, take root and grow seeds from the other fruit that is bore in your heart because the leaves of the tree are great. But it takes you sowing into yourself and sowing into others, making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And so today, as I walk through what it means to walk worthy, I want us to be intentional in the text. But I also want you to be intentional on in what you do when you leave. The difference between a choice and a decision, a choice leaves you with options. You choose to have Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts. But to decide means you've killed off something else. Don't believe me, huh? You're like, nah, I mean, I decided to wear these shoes today. I got options. <laughs> no. The root word of decide is side. Like homicide, suicide, genocide, it means to kill something else. So when you make a decision, you decide 
you've killed off the opportunity for something else. Oh, y'all ain't with me. Y'all know the song, if you've been in an old church like me, I have decided to follow Jesus. Y'all with me now? Y'all remember the line there that says, no turning. Y'all with me? When you decide to follow Jesus, there is no turnaround. When you decide to follow Jesus, you walk and you walk worthy wherever he is. You're dusty because the sand off his sandals is on your face because you're following him so closely. When you're following Jesus, you have to walk worthy because you're behind him. And if you choose to go from the left or to the right or go sideways, guess what? You're no longer following him. Have you decided today? Have you decided to walk worthy? I know that sometimes church growth comes from people making the choice to walk out somewhere else. Because they felt like them being there was a choice. No, that's a decision to be a part of the church. And if you've been attending and you haven't decided to remain, do that today. Quit being a consumer and a shopper. Stay. And watch the others that are looking at you decide, decide to join. And then they decide to be here. They decide to worship. Then they decide Jesus. Let me get into the text and move on, because I know y'all looking at me like this dude better hurry up. I'm hungry up in here. <laughs> Thank you for not putting a timer on a chocolate preacher. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm going to be a different kind of Baptist today. I've only got two points. <laughs> Those two points got three quick subpoints, though, but I... <laughs> But I'm going to walk worthy. I'm going to walk worthy. <laughs> Before I can tell you exactly what it means on how to walk, i got to first tell you how not to walk. The first thing, walking worthy truly means do not walk out. Do not walk out. What I mean by that is, which this burdens me to say, but I'm just going to share with you. The real reason I believe divorce gets so rampant is because people accept it and commit thinking they got options to get out. They go in with the thinking, I can end this when I choose. They better keep it up. That, for better or worse, is temporary. No. No, that's a covenant. You made a covenant with that person in the sight of God and Many witnesses. When you decide to follow Jesus, you've entered into a marriage covenant with him. So if you don't have a marriage covenant with him, you'll pervert what any other covenant may be. And you won't understand what it means to be committed. Because if you can't commit to Jesus, who died for you, what hope you got to commit to anyone or anything else? If everything that you attach yourself to is fleeting, maybe the problem isn't everything else. My grandmother used to say, if everywhere you go stinks. <laughs> oh, y'all got that one, huh? 
It's like leaving sardines in your intake filter in your car for six months. And you keep driving it, bro, going, Lord, what is we going to do about this smell? What you see in verses 1 and 2 of Ephesians chapter 4 is Paul declaring, hey, I'm a prisoner of the Lord, and so I'm pleading with you. I'm longing with you that you would walk worthy of this calling that you bear with one another. That you bear with one another with lowliness and gentleness, meaning if something rises up that offends you, maybe your first option isn't, oh, pfft, out. That maybe lowliness and gentleness and the bearing with them, some effort is giving forward to try and find out why. One, why you were really offended and why they were responsible. Because maybe, just maybe, they didn't think twice about how they offended you because they were unaware. They're not losing sleep at night. You are. Unforgiveness is a trap. It's a cage. And the only way to get out is forgiveness. Jesus takes forgiveness very seriously. People quote the quote-unquote Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 all the time, right? And when they do that, they stop after the exclamation at the end. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever and ever. Hey. Verse 14 and 15 says, if you forgive, you will be forgiven. But if you don't, you won't be. That's crazy, right? Maybe in your lowliness and gentleness, you need to forgive somebody. I don't know if I'm talking to Radiant this morning or not, but I, if you hold unforgiveness for somebody who's in here worshiping with you, that might be why you don't raise your hands. Okay. I'm <coughs> Second part of verse 2, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. I love how verse 3 and this will get to my next part. It starts with endeavoring to keep the unity. Endeavoring to keep the unity. That word in Greek, spodolza, it means to give heavy effort, to exhaust with strength. Meaning that when you are fighting for unity, unity is not an accident. The, the gelling of family and people from different walks of life, I don't care if your skin, language, and hair are the exact same. It's hard to bond with people. So you add all the other things being different, unity takes work. Jesus is good. Unity takes work. It takes tears. It takes fatigue. It takes you thinking about quitting every now and again. That's how you know you're finally getting somewhere. Because the moment you get tired of saying it, they're just now hearing you. And so my hope, my hope is that you understand that this next part of what you're not to do, your next part is not to walk over people. Don't walk out on people, but don't walk over people. Because you show that you don't understand what was given unto you, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus, when you think that someone else is not worthy of your time. Oh, man. If you think you can walk over or have a better place than someone else because of just who you are, you're trying to be over them. So don't walk over them. Bear with them in love. Bear with them with hope, with long-suffering. 
Show those fruits of the Spirit, as the Galatians 5 would share with you. But, but don't for a moment think that you're more deserving of you having a seat than they are. And when this place is filled up, when this place is filled up, and someone walks in who's never been here before, be the first one to say, they can sit right here. I don't want to sit down anyway. <laughs> be the first one to say, come. You just came to faith in Christ, I will disciple you in our faith. I will give you that knowledge so you can know who you are, so you can walk worthy. Don't walk over people. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body. I want you to see the, the weight right here, okay? Think about how many times he says one. There's one body. One spirit. He says, you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. One. That sounds like unity to me. I remember in college when me and all the brothers would get together, we wouldn't call ourselves individuals, right? We were one engine with 75 interchangeable parts, right? One of us crapped out, switch them in. We got you, right? Get you right, get you back in the engine, right? <laughs> As the body of Christ, exaggerate that to a much larger scale. If you're an ear, be an ear. If you're a lung, we need you too. If you're an eye, praise the king, but don't shut down when someone's a finger or a toe. Love them too. All parts of the body, one body. I'm not preaching 1 Corinthians 12 today. What I am telling you is this. Understand the unity you have and fight for it. Don't walk over people. Number three, under do not, is don't walk sideways. Don't walk sideways. What do I mean by that? Stay the course. Walking worthy means staying the course. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. Worship the lamb and stay the course. I'm not preaching politics when I say right and left. You take that as you want to. What I am telling you is stay focused on the lamb. The lion of Judah has prevailed. We're just saying how he's alive. I can't be still when I think about that. That he came out of the tomb early on Sunday morning before the rock was moved. Amen. Oh, y'all ain't. That's going to hit somebody on the car ride home. When the angel moved the stone, they looked in. He was already gone. In his body. Why? Because he made everything. He can look at the consistency of something and say, you know what? You ain't bothering me. Whether it's a door or a 15-foot thick rock, it doesn't matter. He's God. When God got back up, walked out of that grave, all power was in his hand. And he has the power to help you break bondage in your life or restore bondage with relationships. He can do both. He is the real both and. <laughs> Come on. Oof. Deuteronomy. Chapter 17, verse 11. Deuteronomy 17, 11. Just so you know, I'm not making up stuff about not going left and right. In this text, you have 
you know, the last book that Moses writes before he dies. And so now you have this scene where he's walking through the law and giving them some practical application of things to make sure they keep and know and do. Verse 11 starts this way, according to the sentence of the law in which they, in which they instruct you, according to the judgment which they tell you, you shall do. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left from the sentence they pronounce upon you. He's talking about punishment. He said, even if you get disciplined for what you do wrong, don't go to the left or right and think it's an option to leave just because someone confronted you about you being wrong. If you're perfect, raise your hand. Great, I ain't got to walk down the aisle to nobody. I was going to lay hands with oil if I had to. Jesus cast them out in the synagogue. I guess I have to as well. If someone corrects you because you messed up, receive it. Bearing with one another means bearing with someone who tells you when you're wrong. The true definition of a real friend is someone that tells you you got something, a bat in the cave, okay? Are you the X, Y, Z, right? Or you got a cow lick, right? A real friend's going to tell you instead of letting you walk around looking foolish. So if you're in the church and you say something that's, And someone comes and says lovingly, hey, that probably wasn't the best sentence to use. You probably should say this and maybe go talk to those people over there because you directly offended them. Don't say, oh, are you, are you serious? I'm walking out. That's not the right response. The loving response would be, you know what? Bearing with one another in love giving every effort, endeavoring to fight for this oneness that the Lord has given me the opportunity to live in on this side of eternity. Again, I'll take you to one more. Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. I love this one because everybody likes to quote Joshua chapter 1 for the being strong and courageous. I want you to see what was a part of his courage Remember, courage is not the absence of fear. It's your response in spite of fear, right? Because sometimes hitting someone or walking up to someone and confronting something that's an issue between you, there can be some fear there. Hear what the Lord has to say to Joshua, and I believe he has for us this morning. In verse 6, he says, Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance, the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may propose, that you may pr prosper wherever you go. So being consistent, not walking sideways, will lead to prospering where you're supposed to go. I'm not preaching prosperity gospel. I'm preaching simple mathematics, mechanics, and science. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. If you got tomato seeds and you lay them all in your field, what are you going to reap? You're not getting cucumbers that next season. If you sow apple seeds, you're not getting oranges or lemons. You understand what I'm saying? Don't walk to the right or left. My second point, <laughs> and I'll be closing up to this one. P, 
pillars of faith, this is how you walk. You walk with. Pillars of faith, you walk with. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, he says this, Jesus, our Lord, says this as he's given the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, not to re resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right, whew, boy, this is hard for me every time I read it. He's working on me, okay? He's working on me. One of y'all up here slap me. I can't promise. This is Jesus' words. He says, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other also. If anyone wants to sue you, this is 2020, y'all. Jesus still Jesus. When a king makes a decree, it is so. There's no arguing. If Jesus is king, when he decrees it, oh well. Because if you don't, you sin. Anyway, I'm still reading his words. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him you never get anywhere in the unity of bond of peace if you don't walk with people and when someone's at their lowest and they're hurting the most they need you the most they need you walking with them the most in that time they need your words of encouragement encourage a choice in spite of the fear they need you to uplift them. They need to know you're just with them. There's a ministry in just being present. You don't have to know the whole Bible to encourage someone by just sitting down with them. Walking with them is what pillars of faith are called to be and to do. Second thing pillars of faith do, they walk consistently. They walk consistently. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, again, the Apostle Paul saying this, finally then, brethren, we urge you, to, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk. Surprise. And to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, your being set apart, your being different, your being made different, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual morality, that you should not, that you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles do who do not know God. You see this? He's saying your actions, even your private actions, if they're not walking worthy of God, you're not walking worthy. You need to repent. And the world is watching. I need you to hear me say this, okay? The world around you is watching you. And if you're not walking worthy, people in your cul-de-sac are watching, people at the grocery store are watching, your kids' ball field, they're watching, you're working out at the Y or whatever gym you're at, they're watching. 
And the moment that they get a glimpse of your fish on the back of your car or your necklace or your Be Radiant shirt, they're going to be like, be what? Explain that. Because you was cussing at your wife at the car the other day. Oh, oh, y'all hear that? I saw you put your foot on your kid. That's not walking worthy. I mean, both my kids need a swift kick every now and again. Praise God, I got a wife. (laughs) Because walking worthy means something. It means saying no to something else because you've decided, you've decided to follow Jesus. Continuing at verse 6, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also forewarned you and testified For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. When you're walking with people and you're walking consistently, you're not walking alone yourself. There is a Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit alive in you. The, the third person of the triune God is alive and in you. And he will convict you when you've done wrong. So, honor God. Because pillars of faith walk with and they walk consistently. The last thing I want to share with you before I close is pillars of faith. Walk up and lay it down. They walk up and they lay it down. Philippians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, or 27 and 28. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. What is he saying here? That your conduct, your conduct matters. What you do in your body matters. What you do when you leave here matters. It all, if anything matters, everything matters. And Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. There is no in between. There's no pick and choose grocery store filling your cart with what you think piecemealing God. No, God is all that. He's the blessings and the conviction. So when you start feeling like you're deviating, allow the Spirit of God to draw you back and the body of believers that surround and love you. So sometimes you need to walk up and lay it down. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. It says this, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. 
Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting your cares on him, for he cares for you. What do I mean by walk up and lay it down? Let me make it plain for you. Stand with me to your feet. This is a celebration, amen? Amen. This is a celebration. You've gotten somewhere. But if you get too cocky, you might be at the 10-yard line and not made the touchdown. I'm not going to call it anybody's team or any player, okay? But it's happened before where they got a little excited about the distance they've trotted and then dropped the ball. I want you to celebrate where you are. It's worth it. But I don't want you to get complacent and say, well, someone else can carry it for me now. You're still responsible to walk worthy. 